Wow, it's great to be here back with Around Town. We've had just an incredible coming off a credible last season where we had, you know, everybody from Kevin Gray to Dr. Artis to Ben Ross from Brackish. I mean, the list goes on, all types of folks, and really had an opportunity to share their thoughts about Columbia, their business, and, and really get you for you to have an opportunity to get to know your neighbor. Uh, this season, we're kicking off. We just had Coach Shane Beamer here. Uh, so excited to have Coach Beamer here at the university to be part of our community, and he truly has become part of our community, and we really appreciate it. We're looking forward to all the guests that are coming out. I'm not going to tell you who they are because I want you to be surprised, but we're going to have an incredible next season, and so stay tuned, be part of it, and share it with your friends. Thanks for being part of Around Town. Welcome, everybody, to the second season of Around Town. Uh, we have a very special guest today. Um, your coach, my coach, our Gamecocks coach, Shane Beamer. Thanks for being here, Coach. You got it. Thanks for having me and honored to be on here to kick off season two. We're so excited that you're here. Uh, actually, more excited that you're our coach here in Columbia and the energy that you bring. It's so exciting and it's so important for a city uh, to have this type of excitement. You know, I was listening to the broadcast yesterday of the women's game and, you know, um, got a little frustrated with the announcers because they talk so much about Angela Reese, but pre and post game, they talked a lot about Columbia and it's such great exposure for, her, and it's so important. And I think that every time we have an opportunity to be on TV and every time we we're here, the energy that people see that you bring on the sideline and watching our players is really great for our community. It really helps us grow. So we appreciate that. Um, you know, since you're a South Carolinian anyway, born, uh, here in South Carolina and, and had a great, great career through multiple schools i was trying to add them all up the other day i didn't realize how many places you had been before you came back to what hopefully you'll be your last stop uh at least in my opinion it should be but you know georgia tech tennessee mississippi state obviously you were here with the spur years and then back with your dad then to georgia and oklahoma and then getting the the head coaching job here talk a little bit about that transition as becoming from a player to the GA to, you know, getting in there. I think your first gig was a cornerbacks coach, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. I think that's right. Yeah. Um, kicking into that. I mean, what's how's that transition to come? I mean, you grew around coaching, but, you know, that was kind of your life. You 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 walked on as a wide receiver and, and then, then said, hey, maybe I should do this for a career. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was one of those I grew up obviously around <clears throat> football my entire life. So I knew what coaching – uh, was about. And really, in high school, there were some lean years that my dad had at Virginia Tech. So I saw the good and the bad. My sophomore year of high school, we won two games. Virginia Tech did. Uh, my freshman year of high school, they won five and then went to his first bowl game in my junior year of high school. So I kind of grew up around the the good and the not so good. So I knew what I was getting into and, and uh, always had an itch, but it was one of those just wanting to make sure this is what I wanted to do and um I thought I wanted to get into coaching so I can remember sitting down the 
This is, uh, you know, before the technology that we have nowadays, but and literally just writing handwritten letters to a hundred plus colleges, you know, just letting them know that I'm interested in getting into coaching and keep me in mind after I graduate in a couple years and, and very few that I hear back from. And most of those were, we don't have anything. We'll keep your information on file. Uh, but just went down that path. And then I finished up in college and, and the only job opportunity I had was I got an opportunity in Roanoke, Virginia to be the uh, number three, like the weekend sports anchor at the local NBC affiliate in Roanoke, All Virginia. Right, I didn't know that. Yep. Learned something today. Yep. So I've been around the camera a little bit when I was in college and my senior year in college, we played for the national championship. So we were in the news a lot and got to know some of those guys. And this was a very, very, you know, grunt work position. We'll put you on camera on the weekend, maybe if the number two guy can't do this weekend or something. So, and it was, they needed me to commit to it. It was like some, something crazy, like a 10 year contract or something that you were stuck with. Uh, and I was like, well, you know what? I don't, I'm intrigued by that, but I'm going to try this coaching thing first of all. And then I could always go back to the television stuff if I wanted to. And then my first opportunity, first place I was able to get on at was Georgia tech um, as a graduate assistant. And that was uh, after a semester. I graduated from college in December of that year. And the, starting out as a coach at, grad, at Georgia Tech wasn't going to start until the summertime. So my parents were like, we're, you're still living in an apartment. You're not going to sit around the apartment and just enjoy life for six months. You, get a, you need to get a job. So I spent six months as a, uh, as a substitute school teacher in Virginia, elementary, middle school, high school, all that stuff. In Blacksburg? In Blacksburg, yeah. And um, – Six months of that gained a huge respect and appreciation for teachers uh, through because of that. And then I started out coaching, and literally it's one of those things. It sounds corny, but from the first day that I was in coaching, it's like, okay, I love it, and this is what I want to do. But it's a hard transition to answer your initial question of going from player to coach. I mean, it's hard when you're you're pretty much the same age as these guys that you're now coaching, but there's got to be that separation as well. And then I went from small town Blacksburg, Virginia to living in the big city of Atlanta, working for Georgia Tech. That was a transition, but it was great. It was around some great coaches and, and learned a lot from a lot of people. And then uh, in any profession, as you know, it's all who you know and making connections. And I was able to be around some great people at Georgia Tech and then Tennessee after that. And that led to my first full-time job, actually coaching a position at Mississippi State in 2004. Starkville. That's a that's a unique place. Yeah. I gotta be careful here. My wife is from there and her father in law is the sheriff over there right now as well. So Well, it, you, you can appreciate this. So uh Eddie Fogler was our basketball coach yeah. at the time and we used to do back then when I was in the restaurant business, I did all the catering for them. So I used to fly with the team a lot to away yeah. games and we had to fly into Tri County, yeah. take the bus into Starkville. It's pouring down rain. We go to the hotel across the uh, from the hotel to a little restaurant bar across the street, and I can't remember the name of it. With Jackie Sherrill's parked up, probably at the bar. Uh, probably Harvey's. If you uh, there was Harvey's was a restaurant across from the main. There was about one main, main hotel, hotel back then. Yeah. Harvey's was across the street as well. It's a good place, and I met my wife there, and and uh, you know it was the best thing that best thing that ever happened to me because it led me to her and first opportunity to coach full time and, and coach a position and great people and. Um, you know, her parents are born and raised in that area as, as well. So that's how long were you there? Three years, three years. Yeah, so y'all really did get to, to have some kind of really 
you aren't traveling is because when you look at this, you're like, how, how did you go to all these places? And, yeah, and it was one of those, a few, few, a few years here, a few years there. And fortunately for me, knock on wood, I haven't had to leave a job yet because I've had to, you know, or that, that I didn't have a choice. <laughs> like you better go find a job somewhere else other than the transition when my dad retired at Virginia tech. But other than that, I've left for jobs that were better opportunities for me, but three years at, at Mississippi state and, and, that's you know part of the reason why my wife and I love Columbia so much is she was born in Starville, born and raised, went to Mississippi State. That's the only place she'd ever lived. And then we got married in the summer of 06. We got married in the summer of 06. And then in uh, February of 2007 is when Coach Spurrier called me and offered me a job here. So Columbia was like the first place that she and I ever lived that – we were on our own, you know, her parents weren't down the street and, and grandparents weren't down the road and things like that, which, so that's why, you know, we, one of the many reasons we love this area so much, but or love Columbia so much, but yeah, three years in Starkville then here to Columbia. We love it. We love having you here. So uh, you, you brought up being there with your dad when he went to retire. How was that, you know, being, yeah. being under uh, such an icon is your dad. Yeah. I mean, I know that, uh, I think you and I had shared some conversation and one day and I was asking you about your, your father coming down and helping you're like, yeah, with my kids, not yeah. with me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's more into granddad than he is coaching right now. Well, I have to tell you watching him come down out of the stands for some of those big wins, especially Tennessee and others yeah. and seeing the smile on his face yeah. made me excited. And I'm like, I don't even know him, but yeah. just watching him and how proud he was uh, of you. How was that being, you know, a, a beamer child i mean yeah. what an icon in, in our in our world i mean yes it was the acc and uh i'm not a big acc guy <laughs> i can't help it but you know for me i, I had a little attachment to blacksbury because i went to school in uh, lynchburg virginia and my roommate was uh uh from blacksburg his his uh father was actually the chaplain at, at uh VTech. Okay. Um, so we get down there every yeah. once in a while. I got to see the big city of Laxburg. Yeah, but, exactly. But anyway, you know, with your dad, how was that? I mean, you know, did you feel pressure when you left the nest and you're out there coaching and like, oh, that's Beamer, son. He ought to know everything. A little bit, but I think it was one of those I've dealt with it growing up as well. Um, I was a, It was just assumed that I was going to be some great football player because my dad was the head football coach at Virginia Tech and – and I can get a lot of ways. I didn't. Pl I played football in fourth grade when we lived in Kentucky before we moved to Virginia. And then I didn't play organized football again until eighth grade. And I think a lot of that probably was, I don't, I don't want to say resentment, but a lot of it was probably everybody just expected me to play. So I'm going to go over here and do something else. I'm going to play basketball and baseball instead, you know, and, and, uh, but it was great. So I felt, you know, you realize that you're, eyes are on you because people know you as Frank Beamer's son and people expect different things. But my mom and my dad, they did a great job, I think, of raising my sister and I and just uh, really instilling in us, treating people right. And, and if you, whatever you do, Shane, and they told me all along, we don't care if you play football, we don't care what you do, but whatever you do, just do it with all the effort and all your, all your might and, and, and don't shortchange, don't shortcut anything. And, uh, and that's kind of the, the mindset I had. So whether I was when I grew up that way or when I played college football for him at Virginia Tech or when I got into coaching, I certainly I don't know if I'll the less the, the more I went on, 
or the more it went on, the less I heard people say things like that. But I still, to this day, now that I'm the he- a head coach here, I still use that as motivation in some ways that just telling myself whether it's true or not. Hey, there's some people that think the only reason that you're here at Carolina is because your last name is Beamer and your dad did this and all that stuff as well. So I'll still try and, you know, I'm probably – sick in some ways how I motivate myself and just try and find an edge but I uh you hear it and and uh you know and it's helped me now that I have a son he's nine and as he gets older and then my daughters as well uh understanding what they're going through because I went through the same thing but maybe just on a little bit of a a lesser stage at that time uh and not as many things social media wise and all that now, I've heard you. your son is your biggest critic my son is my biggest critic I was tech I was kidding with coach Staley the other day and she was asking about Hunter and, and and whatnot, and I was telling Coach Staley that I think Hunter's a bigger fan of Coach Staley because all she does is win, and he's mad at me because we're only as good as our last game, and we lost our last game in the bowl. So he's still mad at me because we lost that. But certainly, yeah, I come home, my critics, uh, they are at home. It's not anybody in the media or, uh, or in the community. It's in my own house that i got to worry about. That's so funny. Um Speaking of your dad, do you ever pull out his playbook and add some to your repertoire of of because somebody was asking me the other day, you think he uses some of his dad's old plays and mixes up? I said, I imagine it somewhere there's something yeah. that came out of that playbook. I would say I steal and, and use from everybody, uh, with all the coaches that I've been around, whether it be schematics or things I've learned leadership wise, coaching wise, organization wise, but certainly from a, a schematic thing. There's things that, you know, we did or my dad did that we've, you know, implemented here in our own ways. And I'd be crazy not to for because of the success that he had on special teams during his career uh, also. But, yeah, there's a lot of things, um, you know, probably more so at other places where I was an assistant coach and I was utilizing things directly. And now as the head coach, uh, I've got good coaches and, and they have their systems. But there's definitely things that I interject that we – you know, did at Virginia Tech or he did in his career that, that I want to see done as well. Yeah, we, um, you know, I laughed a little bit because I'm like, you know, people like Coach Pete and others, I feel like we ought to go get a trophy made for them because they deserve it. Mm-hmm. You know, your, your, your assistants did an incredible job and I don't think they got the national recognition they should have. Yeah. Um, so next year, if they don't, they don't get it, we're going to create a, a trophy yeah, just no for question. them. Well, I appreciate you saying that <laughs> and recognizing that. We got a great staff uh, at our place and fortunate to have them. Not only do you have a great staff, but the fact that y'all have committed to Columbia. I mean, I think I think your family's enjoying being here. I think almost all the coaching staff is living in town, which is not, really has not happened as long as I've been around here, which is close to 35 years. Most everybody lived out on the outskirts at the lake or whatever, and yeah. I think I think that also has a really positive um, image with the community because it's important for everybody to be integrated. And I think you you, you go to about everything. I yeah. mean. It's amazing. I, I see blips of you all over. I'm like, he he he's around town more than anybody I know. And I know how much we appreciate it. And I'm, I'm excited that your family likes to be here because yeah. that's important. It wouldn't work out because we're hoping they'll be here for a long, long yeah, time. Yeah, me too. And uh, I want to be here and they do as well. And I think that's important. And I realize the uh, platform that I have and, and the opportunity I've been given to be a head football coach in the SEC um, and, and there's responsibilities that, that come with that. And 
fortunately I enjoy a lot of those responsibilities. I enjoy people and I enjoy being out in the community. And I don't want to be a guy that just sits and when I'm in the facility at our football facility, I don't want to be a head coach that sits in his office all day that the players don't ever see. And when I'm not in the facility, I don't want to be a guy that sits at home all the time and just isolates myself. Uh, I've got young children and, and an awesome wife and, and we love Columbia and want to get out and experience what Columbia has to offer and be around people and, and, I love, you know, love that part of it. If I didn't love that part of it, I shouldn't have gotten into into this profession without a doubt. And the coaches, I think, feel the same way. And I want to make this a place that they enjoy working and where they want to raise their families and where they want uh, to be. And and I think our, you know, we've created a, a culture like that and continuing to try and build it. Well, I mean, we had a, a very interesting season. I think that's the best way to put it. Talk a little bit about those big wins. You know, I mean, I know you and I have come, talked about the Tennessee win, which I think might have been the greatest win I've ever seen in that stadium by far over um, Georgia and other wins. But talk a little bit about the season and some of, some of your – what you think were great highlights and – and, and things, you know, maybe even some of the inside that maybe not all of us saw. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, I know it hasn't been a stress-free uh, sideline yeah. for you at all, but it, it it does come across that the connectivity that you have with the players uh, really resonates, that their energy level follows yours and how much excitement and they cheer each other on. I mean – sandstorm there's nothing better than watching our players out there waving that yeah. towel but just talk a little bit about the season yeah uh and that energy and that the towels and everything that goes right back to the environment in williams bryce stadium that, that you and, and all the other uh gamecocks in that stadium create but certainly a year that we're really proud of um, you know, it goes back to the the toughness and the resiliency of our players. That's the one thing, and I've said it publicly, and it's the truth. Like, they love to work, and they love to practice. Like, even after a tough loss, we never had to worry about going back out to practice the next day and trying to get them going. I mean, they, they just – they bounced back, and they were resilient, and it showed with the way that we performed all year. But uh, certainly some lows – and some highs, but you realize when you coach in the SEC and when you're at this level, uh, that's the way the state the season's going to be, and you just kind of got to just keep hanging in there and just weather the storm. And it's one thing I learned from my dad. He used to say it all the time. You know, you don't ever you don't get too high and you don't get too low. Just you know, kind of stay right there in the middle and stay consistent. And and I try and do that as a head coach, and and hope our teams uh, reflect that as well. But you know, starting out one and two and. And, uh, and not that we thought there'd be struggles early on, but we had a lot of new faces. And we uh, went out to Arkansas and didn't play well in the first half and got behind and had to play catch up the rest of the game. But we battled, and that gave me hope coming out of that game that I knew we had a chance to continue to get better. Spencer really made some nice plays in that game, and Juice Wells kind of had his coming out party in that game. <laughs> and, then, and then, you know, the very next week we lost – in that Arkansas game, we lost uh, two defensive starters to season-ending injuries in Mo Caba and Jordan Strawn. And we, had, we were already starting two true freshmen in Nick Eamon-Worry and D.Q. Smith, and now we just lost two veterans to season-ending injuries. And then here comes Georgia to town, and we just – didn't coach well and did not play well that day. And uh, that was obviously a long day in Williams-Brice and not, you know, an indictment or not a true true reflection of what we where we were as a team. 
And I talk to the players all the time about the whole key for us is just to continue to get better each and every week. And we did, you know, from that point on. And I don't think we were as bad as we looked that day. I don't think we were as bad as we looked that night against Florida either. Uh, but we just kind of kept getting better throughout the year and went on a four-game winning streak and obviously uh, f- had the wins over Charlotte and South Carolina State. And then we're sitting there, what, three and two, getting ready to go to Lexington, Kentucky. And and I've been hearing all along, like, that's the game you have to win. And it's time for us to beat to Kentucky. And, and we hadn't in a while. And it had been a long time since we had won in Lexington. So to go up there that night, that really, you know, if you point back to one win this season that really – kind of got things going, certainly would say that. I mean, that was a huge night. And then uh, the thing that I like, and you saw it at the end of the season between Tennessee and Clemson, is we had a week of everybody patting us on the back and telling us how great we we are, and then an off week, which was nice to enjoy it. But then to come back and beat Texas A&M after beating Kentucky was, was huge. And then didn't love the way we played – I guess the next week was Missouri and didn't love that. You know, that's where we've got to be better about handling success a little bit better than we did this season. But to perform awfully, again, I guess that's a word, perform very badly against Florida. And then uh, to come back and beat Tennessee was awesome. And then to go up and and beat Clemson on the road. But the thing I'm most proud – there's a lot of things I'm proud about from that game, but especially to be down 14 to nothing – on the road, it would be very easy for a team to say, well, all right, well, it's just not our day. Yeah. We beat Tennessee last week, and and no, they, they showed that competitive spirit and battled back and, and, and won and then got that eighth regular season win with a whole bunch of firsts along the way and wish we had finished a little better in the bowl game, but proud of the, proud of the group of guys that we had throughout the season and, and their um, uh, resiliency and, and fight and, and toughness. Oh, I you know the Kentucky game was great because I had to fly into Kentucky for business on Tuesday, <laughs> and these guys have been ribbing me for six years. Yeah, and I showed up to the meeting and there was this very nice bottle of bourbon in front of me, <laughs> w- with with a note on it says, "Please do not bring up the game." <laughs> and and, uh, and I was like, "Well, this is this this could That's be a, a good thing yeah. happening here." Um, obviously, Tennessee. Uh, it was interesting. We had uh, I met a couple from Tennessee. Um, before and their son played on, on the on the team, and uh, they were feeling pretty confident yeah. coming in. They, uh, needless to say, we didn't see much of them after <laughs> halftime. Um, I think a lot of people were feeling confident about Tennessee's chances that night, and rightfully so. I mean, we looked awful the week before against Florida, and Tennessee was playing as well as any team in the country, you know, coming into that game, and and uh, you know, our guys made a bunch of just competitive plays that night, and, and it was fun to fun to watch. Oh yeah, we were all on cellar. It was so electric. But you know, when you look at that and you go back and you're like somebody sitting in the stands going, God, how, how do we play like that against Florida? And how do we play against that? And you just realize just sometimes it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, there's there's there there's nobody to blame. I know it's real easy to just say, Well, it's his fault or yeah. you know, it was that person's fault. But it yeah. it really it just it's it's the way the ball bounces. It is. And and you know, Florida got my dad used to always use the expression out of whack and that Florida game got out of whack in a lot of ways with turnovers and, and, you know, we, we had some health issues going into that game that I didn't talk about during the week and didn't make a big deal afterwards. But, um, you know, we, 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 
we didn't play or perform as well as we needed to that night, but I knew we weren't as bad as we looked. And I think our players realized that as well. And then to be able to come back the next week against Tennessee, I think it is. You're, you're, I'm in a profession where my livelihood depends on Saturdays that are a result of how 18, 19, and 20-year-old young men perform. And that was just one of those nights. And our stadium was awesome and a huge advantage. And one of those nights where our guys just believed in each other and, and performed really, really well and got better after the Florida game. They got better that week going into the Tennessee game and, and, and made plays. And then rolling right into Tiger Town and, and, and like you said, coming back and, and, and playing. They played a full yeah. full game. You know, n- never got uh, – I don't think we ever doubted ourselves in that game. We right. just like, we're, we're, we're going to get there. And yeah. it, you could see it. You could feel it. It was, it was pretty exciting to watch as well. I don't go to Tiger Town. It's one of those uh, places that I went – the last time I was there, it was a brawl when it was uh, – Lou Holtz's yeah, last. So it game. has been a while since you were there, and, and, and I don't go because it was such an awful experience yeah. for me. I'm like, I'm just not going to do that to myself. Yeah. But I have to ask. So, as a young coach, and you go to SEC Media Day, and you're around people like Saban and everything, what's it like when you're in there and you're trying to make sure that you're getting the spotlight for your team? Yeah. I mean, how 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 do how do you navigate all that? Yeah. You know, for me, it's. Um, the media day that I go to is, a, I don't want to say easier, but the way they break it up, like you never, I don't ever see the, any other yep. coach that's there. So you're either there with three other coaches or you're there with two other coaches, depending on the day you go. And I think other than my first year, I passed Ed Ogeron when he was the head coach at LSU, I passed him in a hallway. And that's the only interaction I've ever had with another coach at media day just because yeah it's just everything's just so you know this group's here in the morning this group's here right after that this group's here early afternoon this group's here late afternoon and you're just bouncing from one room radio tv whatever it may be and you don't really cross paths with people so um you know you're you're compete I don't want to say competing but you're challenged because there's you're there the same day that other coaches are and whatever they talk about people are going to be talking about so certainly you want to make sure that whatever day you're there you may be there on the same day as Nick Saban Kirby Smart whoever it may be you may be there on the same day and you certainly want to make sure that you're not an afterthought to what these guys are talking about you know or to the other schools that are there that day so for me it's just probably like everything else that I do just passion I have for this place is is very real and be just being able to get up there and just talk, you know, about what, what I, uh, what I believe in, you know, and, and the things that I'm passionate about. And then for me, the other, you know, that was kind of the first SEC media day is a big deal and all that, but really just being on, like when I first got hired, we didn't have in-person head coach meetings because of COVID. So everything was on zoom so it was about this time. I mean, think about that. Yeah, it was about this time, February of 2021. We have our first SEC head coaches meeting, and here I'm, this young dumb coach that just came in from Oklahoma, and you click on the Zoom, and I mean, there's Nick Saban, and there's you know Jimbo Fisher and Kirby Smart, and all these guys, Ed Ogeron, and uh, whatnot, and you're sitting there, you're on this Zoom with them, and that was kind of like my first, like, oh my God, like I'm. <laughs> really in the SEC as a head coach. Now we have the in-person meeting. So we were in Birmingham last week and had our had our uh, an in-person head coaches meeting. But certainly, you know, I'm gonna when I need to interject and say something in regards to South Carolina or something I feel strongly about, I, I will. And 
there's a great healthy respect, but certainly when you're at media day in the summertime, that's an opportunity to really uh, put your program at the forefront and showcase what you're about. And you've had some fun media moments. Um, we laugh all the time because what's the craziest question you got from the media where you're just like, really? That's, that's what you're asking me about? Oh, there's a few. <laughs> and a lot of them could go back to one specific reporter as well that, that, that uh, they, they, they come from. There's, um, uh, there, there's, I don't know if there's one, one crazy one. And I, and I appreciate the relationship that I have here with the media here in Columbia regionally and, and, and nationally as well in regards to South Carolina and they have a job to do and I have a job to do. And the only issues I ever have was when I think somebody's just coming at you with a question that's, that's formed to get a negative response and to create controversy and things like that. You know, when they, I, I get asked hard, tough questions and, and I do my best to, to answer them, you know, honestly. And, and as long as there's the, a healthy respect with one another, you know, I have no issues from a media standpoint. Well, I know the media reported, I think it was in, it might've been in the state or, or which one it was from your, um, your text you got from a, a well-known recruit at two thirty in the morning. You want to tell us a little bit about that story? The yeah, the Nick Harbor saga. Sorry. Yeah, um, yeah. So Nicholas Harbor, who we just signed a couple of weeks ago, I had gone to bed the night before. I'd been in his house the week before and I talked to him all weekend. And gone to bed that night. Felt pretty good about us him signing with Carolina the next day, and then. I got a message from him, sent me like an audio message at 2.58 in the morning that day, essentially woke me up and essentially just saying, yeah, (laughs) essentially, you know, saying that I don't know if he was, he was going to be signing with us, you know, the next day. So certainly didn't really go back to sleep after that. And it's three o'clock in the morning. I'm sitting there staring at my phone, like waiting until I'm like, do I call coaches at this point? Or do I just wait till it's like six o'clock in the morning and call them or what? Uh, and then that morning was spent just trying to, you know, get him on the phone and tried from 7 a.m. on texting, calling, and couldn't get him on the phone. And finally about, I don't know, 9 or 10 a.m., we finally talked and then talked another time after that as well. But that's recruiting. You know, it's you're dealing with young men, and they got a lot coming at them and big decisions they have to make and things like that as well. But that was certainly one – you know, I was on the phone late at night with Alshon Jeffrey the night before that he, the night before he signed back in the mid two thousands as well. So it wasn't my first experience, and Alshon turned out okay, I would say. So hopefully, I think so. you know, yeah, <laughs> I think hopefully so. we'll have the same results with Nick as well. That which is, you know, when you hear those stories, you, you it makes you realize that you know you're on twenty four seven with the, with the players, especially during recruiting, and things change constantly. Like you said, there's so many factors. Yeah. And I think today things have changed so much. Um, we were having a discussion the other night, and everybody was debating, you know, is is the portal system and all of that. And, Neil, is that really great for college football? And, you know, it was interesting to me. I was like, you know, I hadn't really thought about it. But, yeah, it just it's, it disrupts it. To, at least to me, the way it looks when you're – I mean, does that mean all these great players are going to be playing one-year or two-year seasons at places and constantly hopping around? I mean, what are you all seeing or what's your feeling around it? Yeah. No, it's certainly different. I mean, it's – the college athletics has changed, obviously, since I got into coaching, but even more – even since I became the head coach here at South Carolina, 
it's uh, changed in a lot of ways. And certainly there's uh, a lot of positives to it. I mean, I can't sit here and say that I hate the transfer portal because Spencer Rattler came here because of the transfer portal, you know, so I can't sit here and knock it. And then at the same time, you know, be, be, uh, uh, have it be a positive for us as well. But certainly there's a lot of things that aren't good about it that we need to get, you know, corralled. And, and, uh, when I was growing up and just like you, I'm sure, I mean, my parents taught me things aren't always easy and stick it out and, and fight through and battle. And you look at Jalen Hurts who just played for the Super Bowl. I mean, Jalen Hurts, lost his job as the starting quarterback at Alabama when he was 26 and two and didn't leave right after that stayed for another season as the backup because he wanted to graduate from the university of Oklahoma, Alabama. And then he transferred to, to Oklahoma as well. So, you know, seeing the stories like that and the resolve of guys, but uh, all for, if a, there's an opportunity for a young man to better his situation somewhere else, all for him being able to do that. Uh, but there are parameters within that that certainly need to be better than what they are right now. There's no question about it. And then, you know, with name, image, and likeness and our student-athletes being able to uh, be compensated for their name, image, and likeness, that's great. You know, to carry on Joyner, who was the MVP of the Duke's Mayo Bowl. I mean, I haven't done one thing for to carry on to help him earn any kind of endorsement deals. He's gone out and done that himself, and he's using that using that money for a good thing to be able to give back to his community down in, in North Charleston in different areas as well and doing things here in Columbia, which, you know, those are the stories you don't hear about. But the negative, the, or if the, the, one of the negatives is NIL in a lot of ways has turned into pay for play and buying players, and that's not what it was intended uh, to be as well. So there's a lot of things. That was a big topic of discussion last week at the head coaches meeting we had in Birmingham is there are a lot of good – with that, that that's taking place in college athletics, a lot that needs to be better. And let's make sure that we don't lose uh, what college athletics was intended to be about either. Yeah. To, uh, you know, it, it is, it's, it, there's good and bad. And I guess getting some guardrails in place, which I'm not sure yeah. uh, everybody really thought about. So now everybody's starting to realize, Hey, maybe we need some guardrails in yeah. here to, to make sure that the system's working correctly. Yeah. Cause that's what you, that's what happened is there's all this talk <clears throat> about, okay, California is going to enact this law a couple summers ago. And then the state of Florida said, well, we're not going to let California do anything before us and us become, <laughs> Uh, us lose an advantage bless you us lose an advantage so then all these states just enacted all these different laws and right now it's 50 states and they all have their own name image and likeness laws and guidelines and things like that and we just need transparency uniformity and and uh, get get some guardrails on as best we can when you um you got the whole team in and you've got everything y'all y'all just got this incredible network over there i had a great you took me around the the practice facility and just all the the everybody there seems happy uh you know i watched the players when they were doing the cooking classes and all that talk a little bit about the player experience what y'all have created in the atmosphere that that gets them not only connected with each other more, but also connected with the staff and the coaches, because I think that's one thing that I was very impressed. And the feedback I've gotten from a few players, I know they're like, this is this is like being with my family. Yeah. I feel very comfortable. I know y'all do family mm-hmm. Sunday dinners yep. and things like that. Maybe just let everybody kind of know that how y'all 
work together as a as a unit as yeah. a team. No, I mean we. Uh, I, I, I feel like I see those guys in our football facility and on our football team more than my own family in a lot of ways, just because we're together so much throughout the year. And uh, you know, it goes back to when I first got hired, and I've talked about this publicly, but met with every player on the team and. It was evident to me after meeting with every player when I first got hired that there wasn't a lot of joy around the program and being a football player at South Carolina. And, and there were lots of reasons for that. They had, had won two games that season. You were dealing with COVID back in 2020, and Coach uh, the Muschamp, who recruited all of them, had been let go. So, I mean, there wasn't a lot of joy, but I just wanted to make it it's just my personality. I didn't want our guys to ever – uh, dread coming into our football facility each day. I wanted them when they woke up each morning to look forward to coming into that facility. And and it's easy to say, but you got to make that a reality. And and we did that one by just being very, you know, open and honest and genuine with relationships with our players. I think they know that we truly care. Uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, we coach them hard and we hold them accountable and it's demanding and it's not easy being a football player at South Carolina, but there needs to be some joy in what you're doing as well and some excitement about what you're doing. And it kind of goes back to the old saying, you can't be grateful and unhappy at the same time. It's impossible. So we talk a lot of time, a lot about gratitude and being grateful. And I'm grateful to be in the chair that I'm in and at Carolina and want these guys to be grateful for the opportunities they've been given to be student athletes here uh, at South Carolina as well. And that's really what it gets down to. And, and just a place that, that, the season's long, the year's long, there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs, but you need to have a genuine care and appreciation and connectedness with each other. And, and that's what we just try, really, really strive to to create. Well, I think you've done a great job, at least from what I'm hearing, you know, from, from the players that uh, I know um, and, and how – how happy they are with their decision to stay and be part of that team and, and everything that goes around it. Newspaper article comes out the other day. The university's put an RFI out, you know, bills it as stadium improvements, but it really talks about all the land that university owns. I mean, if you could pick, what what would it be to enhance the experience that you'd like to see? Uh, personally, a dynamic golf course back there. <laughs> as well be my choice. Uh, you got all kinds of land. You got a river. I mean, I think the possibilities are endless from a <laughs> – I think I was quoted saying that. <laughs> Where are you? I didn't read the article, but I'm, you and I think alike. So let's go to great, great golf course back there. No, I um, – I think there's a lot, a lot of possibilities, and it's exciting to see, you know, where this thing goes and ends up um, as well. We've got some awesome athletic facilities here at Carolina already uh, and awesome venues to play in. And But certainly there's lots of ways to, to make those better. We're fortunate that we're not, you know, landlocked by a lot of stuff. I coached at, at Oklahoma where – on all four sides of the football stadium and basketball – or not basketball arena, but all four sides of the football stadium, you were surrounded by buildings and there was nowhere to go. And I coached at Georgia where the stadium's in the middle of campus and there's nowhere to go. And the football facility that we used was across the street from an elementary school and was next door to the baseball field and was next door to a like a frat house, you know, or a main road. So there was nowhere to go. We don't have that problem here at Carolina. So it's exciting that we, um, that we have some flexibility in what we can do uh, space-wise, but then also development and, and 
Coach Tanner and Chance Miller, our deputy athletic director, and a lot of people that are, you know, smarter than me are coming up with some great plans and ideas and excited to see what happens. But it just goes, you know, it goes back to me tell recruits this all the time. Like we're just we're continuing to grow and we're continuing to get better. And it's because of the excitement that uh, is around Carolina athletics right now. And our fan base is, has created a lot of that. Our fan base, you know, that's that's got to be a, a great selling point for you when people see the excitement in the stadium and, and how, you know, day in and day out, People show up to the game and 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 want to be part of it. Uh, there's nothing like game day for me to walk into that stadium. And um, a couple times that we were able to to be on the sidelines this year and and feel the excitement coming into the game was just it's 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 unbelievable. I think it's unmatched. I mean, every school says they have the best atmosphere, but I really do believe we have one of the greatest fan wow. bases by far. And and it's exciting to be there. Um, I'm going to switch gears on you a little bit and and get you to give us some uh, highlights on Columbia. I mean, you know, you, you and Emily have made it your home. You, you, I think you, you, your kids are having a great time, at least when I've seen them running around mm-hmm. uh, downtown. They seem to be happy. I mean, tell us what you love about Columbia a little bit. What 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 draw you all back? I mean, obviously, th- there's a reason. Yeah. No, there's so much. Um I tell people this all the time, and it's the truth. I mean, we've lived some awesome places and have enjoyed every place that we've lived. I've never not liked anywhere. Uh, but uh, we, Columbia has always been, you know, our favorite. Now, a lot of that sentimental reasons, like I mentioned earlier, she and I first lived here after we got married. Two of our three children were born here um, in Columbia. So there's obviously a lot of sentimental, personal reasons for that. But loved it when we were here just because of – it's a uh, say it all the time. I mean, it's a true, true college town that's in a you know not a big city, but has everything that a big city has to offer, and, and that's what I love. You know, I'm a history buff, so I love the history in in Columbia. Love the history in this state. Obviously, people is is what makes any everything go. And there's some awesome people here. We had great friendship friendships with uh, friends when we lived here before, as a, when I was an assistant coach that. We still have those relationships, but then we've been able to come back and in the last you know couple of years make some great friendship friendships with people that we didn't know when we were here before that we spent a lot of time with and and you know to me it's just all the all the different stuff that it has uh, that Columbia has to offer from a historical standpoint to the river to the zoo to the being able to get anywhere you wanted to outside you know Columbia in a relatively relatively short distance we. Uh, there's a lot. I've got a lot of things on my to-do list of things I'll want to accomplish and experience in Columbia that I'm just kind of like checking them off. You know, like last week I just went one, one day and went down to the the uh, 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 I know it's the Confederate Relic Room, Military Museum. I guess that's when the st- state state museum. state museum. Yeah, sorry, went in the state museum. hadn't done that really before, and just went there by myself one day and just kind of walked around for hours, just taking part in stuff and and learning about the state and the area and things like that. So there's a lot of things I just want to continue to uh, do that I haven't gotten to experience yet, but I'm going to. Well, if there was a business or a concept, a restaurant or something that we're missing in Columbia, what would it be? What, mm. what should we be recruiting? Um, my kids would say top golf that we need to get a top golf here. Oh, so we're working all right. Here we go. Now we're talking. They told me that when they when they heard about all the stuff going on or, uh, over at the university with all the cons- you know the plans, 
that was like, can we get a top golf in there? That's what they keep hitting me on. My children do. Uh, it's probably a better question for my for my my wife. She's out and about more than I am, and, and I'm active in the community and will continue to be. But the majority of the year for me, it's driving from my house to the football facility early in the morning when it's dark, and then driving home from the football facility to my house when it's dark. So I don't see a lot other than like Rosewood Drive. Uh, but there's a there's a lot that we have, and a lot that I know we're continuing to to to, to bring here and and with your leadership the best is uh best is yet to come well i think it's you know i appreciate that but it's you know what i see is that this community is just excited and every it seems like every cylinder's there you know we get a new president at the university who brought a whole nother level of energy and outlook you know i think some of the key positions he filled with folks who are really focused on how do we leverage those assets and become stronger with the community. He and I are doing a town hall at the university on the 23rd and, you know, getting these 60,000 students that are here to stay here. You know, I, I think that's, that's my goal is how do we keep more of that talent here? And we got to give them a reason to stay here. If it's more, you know, downtown living, more things to do, encouraging because it, it's an interesting city. You know, we get 15 million visitors a year here. Wow. I say this all the time and people look at me like, you're crazy. Our problem is only 5 million spend the night. So we got a lot of days. So how do we create more things to keep people here yeah. and really experience our community? You know, obviously we have game days and how do we leverage that? How do we do things when, when these events come to town and with the spotlights on us to make sure people get to see the best of us? Yeah. Um, so we're constantly doing it. But the energy that y'all bring to the table, the excitement, the football and, and, and the university are so integrated and part of it. But – um, I, I just feel like people are uh, want to be – they want to be number one. I mean, you know, we used to be the number one city in South Carolina, and we're barely number three. So, you know, i got to keep moving the, the, the needle forward. But, you know, we're excited to have you here. We hope that, you know, you retire here. Um, I think the energy you bring, the excitement, I think the, the players appreciate it. I know the fan base appreciates it. Um, you know, we love that you live downtown and you're part of the community. And I just want to thank you for being here, taking the time. I know you've got a full schedule and, and, and being able to carve out an hour for us to come here and, and join the podcast. Yeah. Uh, we really appreciate it. No, I appreciate it. This is uh, awesome. I appreciate everything you do for our community and the passion you have for Columbia is very evident as well. And the first time I met you, that uh, stood out to me, you know, how much you care about this city and this area and how great you want it to be and believe it can be. And I agree with you. And, and uh, there's no question, this is where I want to be. I say it all the time that you have everything you need to be successful here uh, at South Carolina from a football program standpoint to win championships. And I still feel that way and want to be here for a long time and want you to be right here alongside with me throughout this uh, journey as well. Man, we, we, we can get a natty here. You, I've been, I've completed my life. My daughter, I have to tell you, my daughter's a junior at Georgia and she's had two years back to back. Yeah. And, and I'm like, you know, I've waited a lifetime to have this. And yeah. so every day we have a win, I get excited. And uh, But I've, I love watching their experience and how much yeah. they've gotten into it. And uh, they're true Gamecocks at heart anyway because they grew up at that stadium from no. little kids in their little cheerleading outfits to even when they come to visit, they have to, have to cheer for the home crowd, which <laughs> is awesome. But, Coach, thanks for being here. Thanks for taking the time. Everybody, it's another episode of Around Town. <laughs>